You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Paul Kern. Well, here we go. Session two in Moses. We are doing management life. Management life. We just got to get a hold of moving forward in life. So if you missed our introduction, I'm going to encourage you to go back and listen to uh, session one. I laid a lot of uh, context, backstory that kind of helps you know where we're at. But last time I, I talked in our first session, we talked about how God had a call on Moses' life, a clear call on his life. Moses had this burning desire in his heart to fulfill that call. But Moses got impatient and he got ahead of God and I think that's a real temptation that we all face, right? It's easy for us to allow our enthusiasm to get ahead of the Lord. And that's exactly what had happened. Moses took matters into his own hands. Uh, Moses killed a man and Moses was just crushed by that moment. You know, it just I don't necessarily think that's what he had in mind, but that's what he did. And because of that, Moses fled to Midian. And he really thought life was over for him because of the big mistake that he had made. And you know, and oftentimes I think when we make mistakes, when we sin, when we miss the mark, we feel like, okay, I've blown it. I disqualified myself. You know, there's no way that I can do what God wants me to do now because I've messed up so bad. And, you know, just being in the position that I am in for the numbers of years that I've been in it, I've seen a lot of people make some pretty big mistakes. And I've seen God meet them every single time. Not, not one time did God ever turn his back on anybody that I have seen. And I've seen lots of people, even in my own personal life, mistakes that I've made blown it, missed the mark. See, thankfully, God's calling isn't revoked when you make a mistake. God didn't say, oh, messed up. All right, I'm reeling all those promises back in. Nope, can't, can't do it now. No, God's not that kind of God. See, God in his goodness and his patience, he keeps nudging us forward, encouraging us, pushing us. And this was just the beginning of God preparing Moses for a bigger plan. I mean, there was a lot of life ahead of Moses, and there was a lot of years that God was going to to use him. But I can promise you, in that moment, Moses thought to himself, this is it. And and I I just want to make sure that we all kind of wrap our minds around that, because I think we all experience those moments where we just blew it. You know, we were trying to do good, and and we messed up, we made a mistake, we compromised, we sinned, we failed. And in that moment, you can really feel like, this is it, it's it's done, you know. The divorce, you got fired, a friendship's over because of something that you did. I don't don't know what it is, but I, I know so many times in life, it's easy to feel that way. But this was just the beginning. What happened here, was a moment that moved Moses into a position that he didn't realize was the best place that he could possibly be. Because Moses began to look to God, not to himself. 
And, and it's very important for us as we are managing our failures in life that we don't allow our failure to be the thing that defines us, but we allow God to be the one who defines us. Can I have an amen? So Moses was moving forward into God's plan. And in my Bible, um, and we talked about this last time, in Exodus it talks about this, and, and then in Acts it retells the story of Moses. In Acts chapter 7, verse 30, I have this underlined in my Bible, 40 years later. I just have that underlined. Nothing else, just that part, 40 years later. Because it took this long to mature Moses. It took this long to prepare Moses and get Moses ready for what God had for him. And I mentioned this in part one. We live in a microwave society. If it takes more than a, a few minutes, it's just, it's just too long. You know, when I was a kid, when I, you know, growing up, there were hardly any fast food restaurants. I mean, there were no fast food places. I mean, if you were going to go get a meal, you had to wait a long time for them to cook the food. Even burger joints, you know, when I was growing up, it wasn't fast food. I mean, they, it, they, it took them time just to put a burger and fries together for you because they cooked it all right there on the spot. And, you know, I just remember that. I mean, you even had to wait for your TV to warm up to get a picture when I was a kid growing up. Now, some of y'all have no clue what I'm talking about, okay? Because you click the, the wide, the big flat screen TV today and boop, I mean, it's on, right? And it's ready to go. But back then, you would turn a dial or you would push a button and it, you'd see a little white dot and then all of a sudden it'd like it'd start coming out and when you turned it off it did the same thing I mean it was slow you, do you know we didn't have microwave popcorn when I was a kid growing up no you, you there's no was a matter of fact yeah when I, I remember when I was a kid we got a microwave it cost a bajillion dollars and it was about as big as a truck I mean it was just crazy and it didn't, wasn't all that good and you couldn't say, hey, Siri, or okay, Google back then. They weren't even available. I mean, that wasn't anything that, that you could do. If, if, if you wanted to call somebody, you had to get on a phone, and you had to take your finger, for crying out loud, and, and dial a series of numbers on a rotary dial and then wait for it to connect. I mean, that was life then. But see, today, life, it's fast, it's quick, it's condensed, it, it's, it's compressed, but not so in God's school of maturity. See, it's, it's slow, it's slow. See, when it comes to walking with God, there's no such thing as instant maturity. The truth is, God's work is painfully slow. I mean, <laughs> it's just about more than we can take. Have y'all ever been in line at Walmart and the little blue-headed ladies in front of you? I don't know why their hair turns blue, but it's blue. My grandmother's hair was blue, and she was so short that she had to have a cushion in her car about this thick for her to see over the steering wheel. But, and, they, and they reach into their purse, and they're counting the change. I, I don't know why. When you're in a hurry, that's who's going to be there in, in front of you. And, and my point is, we have to manage our attitudes as we wait patiently for God to get us ready for each transitional moment in our life 
that he's leading us into. So 40 years pass, and God calls Moses, okay? Go with me to Exodus chapter 3. Let's look at this together. Exodus chapter 3. And we're going to go down to verse 11 just for the sake of time. We're going to skip a little bit of the burning bush and, you know, because I feel like most of us are familiar with that part of the story. God appears to him in a burning bush. God gives him his, his call. And then we get to Moses. Verse 11. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? But Moses protested, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask, What's his name? Then what am I going to tell them? But Moses protested again. Well, what if they won't believe me? What if they won't listen to me? What if they say, The Lord never appeared to you? But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh Lord, I, I, I'm not very good with words. I have never been good with the words. I'm not good with words now. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied. My words, they, they get all tangled as they come out of my mouth. Moses again pleaded, Lord, please, listen to this, send anyone but me. <laughs> you been there? And then the Lord became angry. All right, he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well. And look, he's on his way to meet you now. He'll be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I'll be with both of you as you speak. I'll instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He'll be your mouthpiece. And you'll stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. Now, you know what God did here? He accommodated Moses' insecurity. And I'm going to say that again. He accommodated Moses' insecurity. He accommodated his desire. But see, Brother Aaron became a hindrance to Moses. Let's fast forward. Moses is up on the mountain. He's meeting with God, getting God's law. And what does Aaron do? Aaron is convinced by the people to make a golden calf and had the gall to call the calf Jehovah, God. And see, here's the thing, church. We, we have to be so careful. When God calls you to do something, I think the tendency that we all have is doubt, fear. I don't know if I can do this. You know, Moses went through this long list of all of his shortcomings and his weaknesses and his faults. He didn't list any of his strengths. He didn't list any of his good points, which he clearly had. No, he allowed fears and doubts and insecurity to get in the way, and then he began to make excuses. And the reason that we do this is the same reason that Moses did this is because we don't see ourselves the way God sees us. And this is a real key. It's, this is a lot of, of what we talk about with our Applied Life Leaders Academy interns. This is some foundational stuff. Understanding your identity, who you are in Christ. You're a child of the King. You're a son and daughter 
of God, okay? And so oftentimes, because of our insecurities, because of our doubts, we want to take somebody along with us when God calls us to do something. Now, somehow this keeps us from having to put our full, complete, and total trust in the Lord because we got somebody there going with us. We can lean on that friend that we've brought along with us. But let me ask you something. How many of y'all have started a business with a partner and wished you never, ever had a guide into that business with that partner? You should have just done what God told you to do on your own. How many of you ever got involved in a relationship that you wished you never, ever had got involved in? What you should have done is just remained content in your singleness, secure in God's calling on your life, and pursue Him. See, God's calling is an individual matter. And it's very important that we understand this. Rarely do you look in the Bible and you see God call groups of people to do something. No, what God does is God picks an individual. He picks a man or a woman whose hearts are committed to him, and then he calls them to do something that's way beyond them. Way beyond them. See, it's an individual matter, and I'm all for relationships, but listen, God's plan isn't about a buddy system. It's not. And my encouragement to you is follow God's voice without distraction. You know, how many young adults did I watch wait to get serious with the Lord until their friends got serious with the Lord? You know, they didn't get serious with God on their own. Now, I want to wait till my friends sell out. You know, and, 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 and there will be. There will be a friend that will sell out to God because God's going to call an individual, and there's going to be an individual that's going to respond, and that individual is going to be a leader that God's going to use to influence a whole lot of other people. Praise God for that. But God was saying to Moses, all right, have it your way, but this isn't my best. This isn't my best. You don't need Aaron. What you need is me. See, Moses thought he needed Aaron. All Moses really needed was the Lord. And so, you know, I, I, I just look at it this way. We can have good or we can have best, but we can't have both. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, was it good that Aaron came along? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was helpful. But was it God's best? Was that God's directive will or was that God's permissive will? I feel like it was more like God's permissive will than it was his So you can have good or you can have best, but you can't have both. And as a matter of fact, in many situations, good becomes the worst enemy of best. See, we choose good at the expense of best, and in that moment, good becomes the enemy of best. And that's exactly what happened in this situation. So let me give you three cautions when it comes to following God. Just, just three cautions. Number one, be certain it's God calling you and not an emotional response. Make sure it's God calling you to do it. Not the thrill of a new thing, not the emotional impulse in the moment. God, now, here, here's some things that you can think through. God has surrounded you with people. He's surrounded you with teachers. 
He surrounded you with mentors. He surrounded you with friends. He surrounded you with pastors. He surrounded you with teachers. He surrounded you with leaders, okay? He's put that around you. My encouragement is filter that through them and watch for red flags. See, see what they say to you, see? Because lots of times your emotions can get in the way of making a clear, objective decision. Does that make sense? And so if, if you make a move based on an impulse or a feeling, let's say that you take a new job or you move to another church or you move to another city based on a feeling, based on an impulse, you get in a new friendship, you, you, know, you buy something, I don't know, what, whatever it is, in, impulsiveness, you know, feelings. If, if you do that, here, here's the problem with that. What happens when the impulse and the feeling leaves? See, I always say never make a permanent decision based on temporary emotions. We have temporary emotions about things. We get caught up in it. We're, we're angry, we're upset, or we're excited, and we want this, or we see that, or we want to go there, and we're going to do that. Listen, when God calls you to do something, you'll have that call two days from now. It'll be the same. A week from now it'll still be there. A month from now, it'll still be there. Three months from now, it'll still be there, if God said it. Now, if it was emotion, or if it was impulse, it's probably gonna be gone in a couple of days or a week. You know, there's been times I've thought about, okay, I'm gonna give this person this, I'm gonna do this for them, I'm gonna do this, but I've always said, okay, wait, test it, because I'm a giver, you know, and I can be impulsive. I know that. And I don't want to be impulsive. I want to be wise with the resources that God has given me. And so what I'll do is I'll just sit on it. Because if it was a God idea today, guess what? It'll be a God idea tomorrow. Right? So as following God's will, we've got to make sure that we're not swayed by emotions, but we're swayed by God's word. We're swayed by God's promises. So when you know you've heard from God, when you have a promise from his word, you can stay anchored during fear. You can stay rooted during doubt. You can stay secure during storms that come your way. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27, it says, Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is like a wise person, like a person who built his house on solid rock. Though the rain comes and the torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built upon bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it, it's foolish. It's like a person who builds his house on sand. And when it rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. See, the bedrock represents God's word. That's what we build our lives on, God's promise, what God says to us. The sands, they represent our feelings, trends, emotions, impulse. Those things are shifty. They're always moving. You can't really count on your emotions. You can't really depend on them because about half the time I feel like it and half the time I don't, right? I mean, isn't that where we kind of all live? So praying things through and testing your feelings is very, very important. And it'll probably be forgotten in a day or less if it's an impulse or a feeling. But if it's God, it's going to stay with you and it's not going to leave you. And then ultimately you're going to say, okay, clearly this is God speaking to me and I need to act upon this. Number two, be confident in God's ability. 
God's looking for people who will put their confidence in his abilities, not their own abilities. King Jehoshaphat, in 2 Chronicles, he was surrounded by three great armies. I mean, they were doomed. I mean, they were literally doomed. There was no way out. And here's what he prayed in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. He says, For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but listen to this, but our eyes are on you. Not on the army and not on themselves. Our eyes are on you. And I think oftentimes we make us the center of God's plan instead of making God the center of God's plan. Because it's not our plan. It's God's. It's ours to steward, but it's God's to give. See, and we, we tend to want to trade places with God. And when we do that, we put ourselves in a perilous position. See, God's not looking for men and women of great faith. God's looking for men and women who will trust in his great faithfulness. That's what God's looking for. See, it was God that set the bush on fire. That was God. It was God that turned the staff to a snake. It was God that caused water to come from a rock. It was God who parted the sea. It was God who rained down manna from heaven. It was God who blew quail in knee deep. See, our job is to trust and remain confident in God and God's ability. The scripture says, the just shall walk by faith. As a matter of fact, it goes on to say, it is impossible to please God without faith. Man, faith is so important in our walk with God. Moses was just faced with huge obstacles, huge tests. But I don't think Moses really saw those tests and obstacles as problems to rid himself of as much as he did an opportunity to trust and grow in his faith in God. Moses faced many obstacles. As a matter of fact, I don't know if y'all have ever thought of this, but, but God was the one that led Moses and the people into the wilderness. God was the one that took them into that place where there was no provision. There wasn't a blade of grass. There wasn't any food. There wasn't any water. There wasn't any shelter. There were no grocery stores. There were no doctor's offices. There were no fast food places. There was nothing. They had, there were no, nothing. And God led them there. And that was the only way that God was going to be able to show them that just like I provided for you when you had nothing, I am going to be your provider when I take you into the promised land and you have everything. And then therefore you won't forget who your provider is. See, it was a necessary part of their maturing process that really caused Moses to place his confidence in God because it was going to be impossible for him to do it any other way. And, you know, God often puts us in those places. It's just, God, if you don't come through, it ain't going to work. How many of you ever had God call you to a missions trip that you didn't have the money to go on it? Or God call you to start a business that you didn't have the resources to make it happen? Or God called you to do a certain thing, maybe to, maybe to preach or put a lesson together or whatever, and you felt so insecure because you knew you didn't have what it took to pull it off. See, just like Moses, we all face big tests, and just like Moses, these are merely opportunities for us to mature and to grow in our confidence in the Lord. The third thing is be obedient to God's plan. 
Be obedient to God's plan. And by that I mean, take it the way God gives it to you. Don't tinker with it. Don't tinker with it by bringing in an errand. If God called you to do it, you do it. You know, especially for you young people. If God calls you to start a Bible study, if God calls you to start a prayer group, you do it. You do what God called you to do. Don't, don't tinker with it and try to bring somebody else along to help you. Maybe God didn't call them to help you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's just so important. You've got to take the road of obedience rather than the easier compromised detour. See, if God tells you to go to a certain college and none of your friends are going, you're going to have to be obedient and go. Even if he sends you to go by yourself. I remember when God called me to come to Arkansas. I had never been to Arkansas. I was 23 years old. I didn't know anybody up here. Nobody. And God called me here. And I was willing to come. And I'm so thankful that I was obedient. If, if God calls you to go and pray for someone, be obedient. Well, I, just, I don't know. I think I can. Well, what if you got to be obedient to that? If God calls you to serve in an area, don't wait to see whether or not somebody else is going to do it. Hey, come do this with me. God didn't call them to do that with you. God called you to do that. You have to be obedient to what God is calling you to do. Rarely does, like I said, rarely does God call a group of people. He just, God just doesn't work that way. God picks a person, an individual, and he calls them. Now, let me just tell you this, just to set you up. When, most of the time, when God calls you to do something, you won't have the resources to pull it off. It'll be way bigger than you. You'll probably feel inadequate for the task. You most likely won't have the talent, the ability, or the resources to make it happen. But in 2 Timothy 2, 2, it says, Commit to faithful people who shall be able to teach others also. And I've always paid attention to that scripture. It says, commit to faithful people who shall be able. It doesn't say commit to able people who shall be faithful. It says commit to faithful people who shall be able. In other words, you provide the faithfulness, God will provide the ability. It'll come. I remember in the early years when Tim was putting me in all kinds of positions that I had never been. I grew up in a broken home, a dysfunctional family. It was just alcohol. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. And Tim would put me in these positions, and I'm thinking, this guy, has, this guy has lost his mind putting me in this position. He has no clue what he's doing. Yet, God was right with me. God was right with me. God was right with me. And I'm not saying that I didn't make mistakes, and I'm not saying that I didn't mess up. But God never let me sink. He would always help me and move me forward. Listen, it's God's to provide, it's ours to do. Bottom line, it's God's to provide, it's ours to do. We just have to be obedient to what it is God's called us to do. You know, I often think about what God asked Moses to do. There's a lot. I mean, go back to Egypt. Are you serious? Go back to Egypt after 40 years after you killed this guy and fled? I mean, that's a lot. Staying with the mission that God gave him in spite of Pharaoh refusing to give in. Every single time that Moses went to him, Pharaoh said, no, I'm not doing it. He stayed faithful to that. Moses is, is just a man I really look up to. I think he's somebody that we can all look up to. And I, I want to highlight three attributes that really stick out to me about Moses and how Moses managed the call of God that was on his life. 
Number one, Moses refused to compromise his commitments. And I think this is such an important place for all of us to come to in our walk with the Lord. Moses was a man who did what God asked him to do. He was faithful to do what God required. He didn't veer off the path. He didn't, he didn't get distracted. He didn't take a detour. Moses stayed with the task. You know, and maybe you're at a place in your walk with God, and you hear God's voice saying to you to remove certain compromise from your life. And I think we all hit that, that crossroads in our life. I think that happens for all of us. It's clear in Scripture that God moves in our lives from a non-compromised position. God does not move out of a position of compromise. God moves out of a position of non-compromise. For example, when God told King Saul that he was being stripped of his kingdom, here's what he told him. He says, I'm not stripping you of your kingdom because of your disobedience, I'm stripping you of your kingdom because of your half-hearted obedience. Man, I'll never forget the first time I read that when I was a lot younger. That was a real moment for me. God spoke to me. He said, Paul, you're going to have to be obedient. And that, that really pricked my heart because I, I was a person who had made lots of compromises. But see, I saw how Saul, he kind of halfway did what God wanted him to do. But God's not looking for halfway. God's looking for our whole heart. It's important that when we submit our whole heart to God and we obey him, even when it's inconvenient, even when it goes against the trends of culture, if we do that, God will bless us. If we do that, God will reward us. Now, I'm not saying it's necessarily the easy road because it's not. Moses could have easily, and let's think about this, Moses could have easily stayed in the palace. He didn't have to go out there wandering around looking at all those people being beaten. He could have stayed right there in the palace. He had a great life. He was next in line to be Pharaoh's guy. He was the guy. But in Hebrews 11.24, listen to what it says. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was the up-and-coming Pharaoh, but Moses made a decision. Now think of it this way. Every one of us come to a fork in the road every day. One road is broad, it's wide, it's attractive, it's traveled. Lots of people, they go down it. The other road is narrow, it's rugged, it's unpopular, it's lonely. But this fork requires you to make a decision. And when you make that decision, that leads you a little further down the road to another decision, and another decision, and another decision. See, Moses' decision, it kind of reminds me of Daniel when he got taken into Babylon and they tried to get him to eat the king's diet and live the king's lifestyle. And it says, Daniel determined, he determined in his heart that he would not compromise himself. He said, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. In other words, Daniel and Moses, they had integrity. They had integrity. Moses positioned himself. And I think one reason that people fall into compromise is they don't position 
themselves. See, see, part of the reason we don't make right choices is because we haven't taken a position for ourselves on the priority principles of our life. You know, you've got to have some non-negotiables in your life. These are things I'm not fudging on. I'm not moving on those. I don't care if all my friends are doing it. I don't care if everybody on social media is doing it. I have positioned myself. I have determined myself. This is the way I'm going to live, and this is what I'm going to do. I don't care how unpopular it is. I don't care if everybody calls me a fuddy-duddy. I don't care if everybody calls me self-righteous or legalistic. You can call me whatever you want to call me, but here is where I'm at. You see, when we've not decided where we stand on matters of character and morality and values and godliness and our commitment to Christ, then the world will decide it. See, you don't make a decision when you're at the crossroads. You make a decision way before you ever get there. Probably a year or two or three before you ever got there about the kind of person that you choose to be today. That will determine two or three years down the road what your decision will be when you get to that crossroads. Are you going to take that money from your boss? Are you going to have that affair? Are you going to cheat on your taxes? Are you going to lie? Or are you going to be a person of integrity? In Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. We see Joshua, Moses' successor. Prior to his death, he stood up before the elders of Israel and he challenged them to make up their minds about where they stood, their position. And we've got uh, lots of plaques in homes now that say this. This is what he said. He said, if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites, whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, we have that plaque in our home. <clears throat> in 2 Kings chapter 18, Elijah, the great prophet, he was standing alone on the peak of a mountain. And he said this to the people. He says, how long will you waver between two opinions? He said... If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Bel is God, follow him. In other words, just make up your mind. Make a decision. Position yourself. See, Moses didn't waver between two opinions because he had made his choice. Life is full of choices. We all hit crossroads every single day. But because Moses put God before everything else, it wasn't really a decision for him when he got there. The decision had already been made. I'm going to make a decision for God. Number two, another strength of Moses. Moses willingly left the familiar to follow God's call. Hebrews 11:27 says, By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Wow. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Moses' vision was focused. His mind was made. There was no turning back for him. Maybe you've worked for the same company for 15, 20-plus years. That's all you know. How would it be for you to be laid off or quit one day? Maybe you've lived in the same home for 20-plus years, raised your family in that house. See, that was Egypt to Moses. That's all Moses had ever known. He lived there his whole life 
life. He had never been to Canaan. All he knew was Egypt, but he left it, and he left it by faith. See, God led him, and I think a major battle for us is things and places and stuff and friends and geographical locations. And listen, we sink roots into these things because we find security in them. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. There's really nothing wrong with that. God gives us those things to bless us. But, but here's the thing. We can't come to love them so much that we're unwilling to lay them to the side to follow the, in obedience what God is calling us to do. And the last strength that Moses had, Moses did the unusual. I mean, <laughs> this guy, he just did the unusual. God asked Moses to do a lot of unusual things. I mean, think about it. Go and confront a godless ruler time after time who tells you no. Really? I mean, just, just, can you just imagine God going back to Moses? He told me no again, God. All right, well, go tell him this. Right, I'm going to go do it. And come back. Nope. Got another no. <laughs> I mean, get this. Smear blood all over the doors of people's houses, I mean, that's going to get your neighbors talking for sure. Hey, what you doing? Oh, I'm just kind of spearing some blood all over your door. There's going to be an angel of death come. He's going to pass over, though, and they're kind of like, Woo. lead millions of people out into a desert with no visible means of support? Moses, where are the chefs? Where's the entourage? Where's all the supplies? Hold a staff over your head for hours on end? Are you kidding me? Take Pick a stick up that's a, uh, pick a snake up that God said he's going to turn into a stick? Really? No, thanks. I, I'll, I think I'll pass. Climb a mountain covered with dark clouds and lightning that's shaking violently like an earthquake. See, it wasn't easy for Moses, and I'm certain he had a lot of doubts, but Moses is just such an inspiration for all of us because he was a man that was willing to do even unusual things that God asked him to do. Maybe God's not asking you to do something that unusual, but I can promise you God will ask you or God will have you in positions of unusual circumstances and you're going to have to decide whether you're going to be obedient to that or not. I want to close with this. And I just want to remind you of a couple of things. Moses refused to compromise his commitments and so can you. Moses willingly left the familiar to follow God's call and so can you. Moses did the unusual at God's command, turning a deaf ear to critics, turning a deaf ear to naysayers. Moses stepped up. Now, Moses may have been reluctant because he was a human. Moses may have had self-doubt. He was a human. Moses may have dealt with a little bit of fear. He was a human. But Moses, in the end, yielded. And that's the point that I want us all to see. That's the point that I want us all to focus on. Not the fact that Moses doubted, not the fact that he was reluctant, not the fact that Moses made excuses. That, that's, that's okay. But ultimately, in the end, Moses did what God asked him to do. And that is really all that matters. And because of that, he became God's instrument for his own generation. And I want to tell you tonight, God's still looking for a man or woman who will be willing to do 
what God has called him to do. Despite your weaknesses, despite your doubts, despite your shortcomings, despite your fears, you can become a mighty tool in God's hand. And the way that you do it is you just be obedient. And then you can watch God fulfill his purpose through your life to meet the needs of your generation, just like he did for Moses. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand with me. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for choosing the foolish things of the world. God, when you picked me, (laughs) in my mind, I thought that's the most foolish decision anybody could ever make. But, Lord, you use the foolish things of the world. God, help us to be fools for Christ. Lord, help us to be willing and obedient, just like Moses. Lord, help us to manage the responsibilities, the giftings, the talents, the calling that you have on each of us so that we can hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great night. You have been listening to the CMC podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.